We tried to escape you, but you know where to find us, listeners. That's right, it's the Movie Men. I'm Callum O'Toole, and I've got a couple of fantastic beasts of my own with me. Johnny Smith and James Pugh. How are you doing, fellas? Very good, very good. Yeah, good week, both of you? Yeah. It's actually... I mean, it's only Monday, so, <laughs> you know, plenty of time for things to go wrong. Been last week, but, you know, that's fine. Uh, anyway, we've got a good little opening question for you guys. So, uh, Natalie Portman recently said she'd have feared Jackie Kennedy's thoughts about her portrayal of the former First Lady in the forthcoming biopic, Jackie. But what actor would have had every right to be afraid of the reaction to their playing a famous historical figure in a biopic biopic of the past? So basically, who was shit in a biopic? <laughs> um, I think obviously, the, the if you were just going to go, who is shit in a biopic? Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. He's, a, a oh, he's on my list as well. I'm glad I came up with another uh, option. As we reviewed a couple of months back in I Saw the Lights, Hank Williams yeah. was an especially shit film, if I imagine. And Hank Williams sh- probably wasn't very impressed if he if he turned up today. Yeah, he yeah he he, he did. So he wouldn't have been able to uh, pass too much judgment, but terrible singing from Tom Hiddleston. I can't imagine, you know, posh Tom Hiddleston would really appeal to Hank Williams' <laughs> southern attitudes. That's a culture clash. Yeah. I could, I could see issues arising there. So, yeah. Uh, I thought about him, but I've, I've remembered that John Wayne once played Genghis Khan. That was mine! Was Who it? just got my yeah. list? This, that was my list. I mean, he just... I've got a list of three just to really cover myself in case, but you've already used up two I mean, James, if you want to enlighten us on well, John Wayne's... Probably not his finest hour. I mean, there's not much else to kind of discuss. It kind of paints itself. It really does. This, you know, Mr. America <laughs> playing Genghis Khan. It's just an odd, just an odd match. And he only did it as a favour to Howard Hughes, apparently. It wasn't like he was a massive fan of Genghis Khan who was like, it's a story that <laughs> passion, has to be passion told. project. It's a passion I'd project. Imagine no Howard one Hughes, else will touch Genghis, it's just me. I'd imagine Howard Hughes had probably had a lot of ideas like that. But everything John Wayne says sounds like a question. Isn't his middle name Marion? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Marion Wayne. Well, I think it's actually his real Ganges first name. Marion Card. I, <laughs> I, I got confused. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, wow. Kept that, kept it on the quiet when he was invading yeah. around the world. <laughs> Marion storming into our country. Shh. Kind of lose the effect, wouldn't it? A fearless warrior, Genghis Marion Card. So you've got Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. You can't be selfish and hoard all the options. Yeah. No. And you're going Genghis Khan and James. I, well, my, well, my other one was social network fella, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, with oh, Mark Zuckerberg, yeah. because I know there were who's alive and he did see it and he wasn't happy. <laughs> but like, when you, when you watch the social network, like, he plays him as like a proper bastard. And all these things like, <laughs> he went to court and like, these are allegations, you know, he, they settled out of court. And this is like a film that literally yeah. is making him Guilty. Yeah. I know it's not murder or anything. It's like intellectual copyright theft, which is still bad. But like this film just makes basically it, painting him as, a, as just as a guilty. lot of backstabbing. Aaron Sorkin's script really took eno- enormous liberties with the truth 100%. to the point where it's basically entirely untrue. Yeah. If you've ever seen Mark Zuckerberg in real life, he is nothing like the Jesse Eisenberg he's, character. He's really like unassuming, really you no know, kind of meek and mild, and maybe he was kind of backstabbing like that, but. I just think it's. I just imagine him. If it was me, I'd have been furious. Even that, if he was all. Trained. I mean, he was basically Lex Luthor with hair. That's an excellent yeah, social yeah. network. I don't, Jesse Eisenberg was crap in Batman vs Superman as well. I, I mean, well, there's a lot of problems with Batman vs Superman. I thought just just I thought Social Network was a great film. Down the list. I thought Social Network was a great film. 
And I thought Jesse Eisenberg was great in Batman vs Superman. Oh, good God! Oh, no, I can save like, that for another. So Schnapper is a good film. I, I agree. So, with you know, that. he's good. But no, nothing was good about Batman vs Superman. Uh, okay, so <laughs> the final. Oh, well, you've used up most of my list, so I've got one more left, and that's Leo DiCaprio in J Edgar, where he plays J Edgar Hoover of the FBI. Right. Now. Not so much for his performance, more about the fact that he looks like he's wearing the makeup that Mike Myers wears <laughs> to play Fat Bastard in Austin Powers. That he scrapes off the floor of the makeup <laughs> and stuck to his face. He just looks like he looks like an old man that's melted, which is, you know. He looks like he's doing a, a anyway. sketch in Jackass. Yes, just as an old man. Yeah, yeah, he, oh, yeah. that's exactly what he looks it, like. It wasn't wasn't Leo's finest hour, <laughs> but he's come back fighting since then. Yeah, fighting with bears. Literally. <laughs> so, you're the guy with the case full of monsters, huh? Use travels first. Mr. Scrander, do you know anything about the wizarding community in America? We don't let things loose. Hey, Mr. English guy, I think your egg is hatching. Time is running out, Mr. Scamander. So tonight's first film is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It's obviously a Harry Potter spin-off and it sees J.K. Rowling make her script-writing debut uh, with David Yates, who directed many of the later Harry Potter films, also piloting this one as well. Eddie Redmayne stars as Newt Scamander, not Scalamanga, uh, a scholar of magical beasts who loses a bunch of them while on a visit to New York for some reason. Catherine Waterston, Colin Farrell and Samantha Morton all feature too. So, James, is it as fantastic as the title would suggest? Well, there may be some different opinions in here, but I did think it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. There was a lot of pressure going in, um, especially by the filmmakers, because it's connected to Harry Potter and a lot of preconceptions and stuff like that. Uh, but I I went in kind of open-minded, thinking, okay, um, we'll see what they've got. And I really enjoyed it. Okay. I thought it was a, a great family film. Um, maybe not for two younger kids, but I think it managed to hit that nice mark of young and old appeal and yeah I, th I thought it was great and I'm looking forward to hear what you two guys well, think John, yeah, Johnny, for <laughs> before you, I go I mean, too deep into my <laughs> for you Johnny did it you know did it show that there's life after Harry Potter for the wizarding world or uh no not really <laughs> I think it just sort of felt like it was just coasting off the Harry Potter magic and mm -hmm. world and that it basically, had it had nothing to do with Harry Potter, it would have been a pretty awful film that we wouldn't really have cared too much about. Uh -huh. it's, and, and, you know, they moved it to 1920s America, which yeah, was a nice type of different setting, but it was sort of that thing where the magic sort of disappears after a while, where it's like, instead of shoe shines, there's wand shines. That, it's like, that you know, it's just, so it's just like, what, what happened in 1920s America? Or, you know, yeah. a speakeasy, but there's some... Um, Magic in there. <laughs> so, like, sort of just taking really basic yeah. things and making them a bit magical. So, I think it had lost its sheen a bit. That so, speakeasy scene yeah. was, was quite a misfire. Because it, it, it reminded me a little bit of in Star Wars, but just really shitly yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, it was but, just the But the, the one shining thing really pissed me off. Because it's like, you see these films that, like, you know, what do, do like, a little bit of... Not satire is not the right word, but, like, do a little play on like the theme, so like Finding yeah. Nemo, you've got the school of fish, right? Which yeah. which works, the teacher teaching the young kids, so the young little fish, basically. This was just, the one shine isn't a thing, it's not a thing. So it's just a pointless little detail that they've added in, this could be like, 
people are going to think this is really clever. So it's not clever because it's not actually a thing. So that pretty that pretty shows everyone what my opinion. I just on the think film it is. was that sort of it was it was wasn't that you know creative in the fact that it was just sort of taking a setting and putting magical spins on. I don't, I, I, I don't know stuff I think, that already exists. But it's a tough one because to me it felt like it was two it was two very different films. Now mm. if you remove the this isn't really a spoiler the obscure storyline which is if you've seen the trailer mm. it's this black black misty smoke creature. If you, if you take everything to do that... It's basically a the, floating scribble. Yeah, out of the, the film. The bad guy in this film is a floating scribble. But, but if you take that plot, that f- plot thread out of the film, the, the plot still makes sense and it still works. Um, you know, the characters aren't really emotionally involved with that until like the final like 20 minutes when there's loads of plot to, twist kind of like thumbed in to kind of link you to this creature and what Graves has been doing. Um, and, and I think that was to a detriment of it because I thought the story of just him arriving in New York, finding these creatures, and with the set piece with the Ockham in the attic at the end, would have been a great finale. Sure, it's not as dark and as kind of gritty as the later Harry Potter films, but the Harry Potter films earn that level of like maturity because not only did the readers grow, the characters grew, so you kind of got that in it. Wow. And they've tried to make this into a franchise starter. The new five films, it's about Grindelwald and young Dumbledore. And Newt Scamander isn't the main character in the sequels, so he's pretty much almost done with now. Which is kind of... Weird which is odd. That, that makes it seem even weirder. It, yeah. it does. Because <laughs> I didn't start, know that. That makes it really weird. <laughs> it does, because what they've done is they've had this script and they've realised... Oh, you know, the dollar signs started rolling and they've wanted mm. to turn this into a temple and I feel that that is a detriment to a film which is now being seen as in the same scale as Harry Potter which really should have just been a standalone film. So, the, 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 the Fantastic Beasts of the title, um, how important are they to the actual film itself? That The film itself is probably just a nice little spin-off story and not really key to the overarching story yeah. they're going to tell in the five films. make it? So that, which tells me the Fantastic You're Beasts right. themselves are pretty relevant. It's sort of like, oh, you know, that's nice. There's a big griffin thing. And again, all these creatures are really just normal animals, but with a slightly magical twist. Totally like, agree. here's a snake with some wings, and here's like a buffalo with a weird head. Here's a platypus <laughs> without a tail uh, that steals stuff. Yeah. yeah. That was ace. I love the Nifl. Oh, God, I thought... Oh, sorry. What about the performance <laughs> of the actors, then? So, Eddie Redmayne is the main, the main star of the film. How yeah. was he in this? It is very obviously an American film. Even though the director and the producer were English, you can see that yeah. the... The pushing point for this was England had Harry Potter. Let's ship this over to the States and yeah. sell this because he's very quintessentially British in this, like Sherlock slash Hugh Grant slash Sheldon mm. and the Big Bang kind of <laughs> very Sherlock. Yeah, that's a fair mix point. of these characters. Um, but he's a bumbling idiot. He's really. a bumbling. He's Mister Bean with a, with like a bag of creatures, isn't he? Like the Teddy. He's like the Niffler and that kind of stuff. But God, the more I think about it, the shit of the storyline is. The, he's got a briefcase that can't lock properly, and that's basically the storyline that leads into a, a big episode of Some Mothers Do Have Them, where no. he's chasing a bunch of. <laughs> the the storyline is Weird. he bumps into a man trying to get money for a bakery in which they this... accidentally switch oh. suitcases. Oh, it's yeah. like carry on, carry on creatures. Oh, it's it so bad. Sorry. I just can't go over how bad I it is. I think Eddie Redmayne is, is wet on you know, a downpour level. I think I've, I've I've not been enamoured with him in anything he's done, uh, even uh, Theory of Everything. He's just very wet and he can't really hold a film's interest. He's just a bit 
limp and pathetic. Well, um, that supporting cast as well. Catherine Waterston and Colin Farrell being... Oh, Colin Farrell's ones. totally wasted. He was Could, a wasted yeah. opportunity. Could be anyone. Yeah. He, which is Could a shame be. because he's a great actor. And for, what he, for his part, he's good. It's just that you didn't really need him to be there. You didn't need it to be Colin He's Farrell. just sort of a generic a bad guy. Yeah. Such a shame. And there were, and there were the really scenes of, cut which had him in. Which were which were great, which were in the script, and I just feel that they've put cuts in all the wrong places and they've devalued this cast to make it more of an ensemble piece like Harry Potter, which was very much about the three of them. And you've got the three dynamic here of him, of Newt, Jacob, and Tina. It, they're all just very unmemorable. Yeah, you don't really care about any of them. They don't mm. lead the film. There's no same with the beasts. The beasts are just... You like the Niffler fine. He was the best of the beasts. Pocket Scouser. (laughs) (laughs) Kleptomaniac platypus is basically what he Yeah, which was funny. I think Um, the the worst thing, which I have to bring up quickly, is the last half an hour is excruciatingly bad. It's like (laughs) this Uh, script where they go, nothing negative of consequence can happen in this film. No one can leave the cinema with a slight tinge of sadness. So (laughs) everything must be resolved. And even when we've resolved it, we must go an extra level to resolve... The resolution. Yeah. Just quickly before you rate it, Johnny, there was a bit of sledgehammer subtext in there as well. A bit of child abuse, a bit of segregation. Uh, there is sort of quite a bit of, of you know, heavy issues that come in there. Heavy-handedly. And exactly, with. they're heavy-handed and they're not really of any consequence. It's just, you know, everything yeah. just feels, it's just sort of thrown in. Nothing feels like it has any consequence yeah. and the ending sort of epitomises that in that, you know, nothing mm. is really bad in the yeah. end. Everything's it's an interest, jolly. It's an interesting concept that He's in 1920s New York and he has really progressive opinions on how witches, wizards and mm. muggles mm-hmm. should yeah. be, you know, um, should be with each other. And I, and I thought that was a really interesting thread to kind of develop and would have been, I would have liked to have seen that kind of develop a bit more. Very um, good point. Because the time setting is, is, is fascinating in terms of culture and society uh, and he's ripe for... I think that's the thing, is the setting was just sort of a superficial gloss. At the heart of it, it's a really innocent, fun fantasy film that is a, is Sunday night, Sunday afternoon watching with the family, which grandma will like it, young nieces and nephews will like it, mm. and if you kind of, if if you don't mind fantasy and going a bit of an open mind, you would have fun as well. I think it's that kind of film. It's not going to get the critical acclaim in the long run, perhaps when the series develops that Harry Potter did. I don't think it'll be held in the same stead as Harry Potter does. To, which is dear to a lot of people's hearts. Absolutely not. But I think it was... I, th- I thought I had fun, uh, and I would recommend... If you're interested by the trailer, I would say that's enough of a reason to go and watch it. So out of ten, James? Eight. Eight. Okay. Johnny? Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's it's watchable. It's not the... You know, it's fine. But it just feels like it's still very lazy. So I'm going to go with a four. Um, I think I've made it quite clear that I was not a fan of this film. I've it Basically, it just boils down to a man slapstickly chasing a bunch of CGI monsters that aren't even very interesting themselves around the screen. And the, the, the you say there's two plots to it. I didn't even think there was one plot. And the fact that they've got five films coming out that they and they couldn't carry a single film. And also, just to round off, just when I thought the film couldn't get any worse, fucking Johnny Depp pops up at the end. <laughs> I just wanted to punch the screen. That was spoiler alert for anyone who's waiting, who's not seen uh, Fantastic Beasts yet. Yeah. Um, so I think we've stemmed the a bit of a, a spectrum. So James has got eight, Johnny Pretty four. Heavy. <laughs> I'm going to halve it again and give it a two. I think it's the worst film I've seen for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Each to their own, eh? Something is stalking our city. Wreaking destruction and then disappearing without a trace. Witches live among us. We've lived in the shadows for too long. I ask all of you, who does this protect? Us or them? Danger. He senses danger. Okay, so to calm myself down, we're going to do a quiz, and I'm just going to be the quiz master, so I can't get worked <laughs> up about it. It's going to be all good. So, um, right, I don't have a name for this quiz particularly, but it's uh, around the words fantastic and the word beasts, right? So I'm going to pit you two against each other, and it's going okay. to be fastest finger or fastest yeller first. Oh. So I'm going to give you five films, one after the other, which either have the word fantastic or the word beast in the title. So there's a big clue there. And I'm going to give you... Three actors in turn that are in the films, but I'm going to give you one after the other. So I'm going to give you one actor, and if you think you know it from that, you jump in as that, but oh, then you okay. can't answer for the rest of that round. Ooh. Yeah? And if you don't get it, if neither of you get it, I get the point. If one of you gets it, you get the point, obviously. Yeah? <sighs> Understand? Have yeah. I made it clear enough? I think so. It's slightly complicated. I'm, I'm getting, getting a bit <laughs> wild with my ideas for these things now. So, right, first film, and the first actress is Kate Mara. No one for Kate Mara. Fantastic Four. Okay. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> the thing is, I was like, Fantastic Four is going to come up at some point. And I was like, I just don't know who's in it, though. Now, now you're bollocks. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't honk hard. I need like a... Do we need like a noise? Yeah, we do. We probably should have a noise. Just honk. Novelty just sound effects. Right, okay. Right, I'm ready. You found, you found some sound effects. I'm going to find see if I can find a foghorn. Okay. I've been partial to a foghorn. Does both. a foghorn even sound? Well, there we go. Okay, so that's your foghorn. <laughs> this is ace. So John, we've got sound effects now. So Johnny, you're the foghorn. Can you play the foghorn? James? That sounds like 90s... Is that, is, that, is that gladiators? No, it's just the arm. Right. So, I want one of those football rappers. <laughs> so one nil to James so far. Next film, Bill Murray. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yes, oh. one... Oh. <laughs> Not an audio feature, but Jay Johnny just tried to press his buzzer about 16 times before Adventure Magic. Yes, fantastic Mr. Fox, 1-1. One, one. Love this. Uh, Samantha Isla, or Isla? No? Didn't think so. George Mackay, or McKay. And then, if you know the film, you'll get it off this one. Viggo Mortensen. Oh, uh, Mr. Fantastic. Yeah! <laughs> No, not the name of the film. Oh, Captain Fantastic. <laughs> Captain Fantastic. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, James, on the technicality Johnny's got in there. Yes. Also, you, you guys are going to need to be better at the buzzer pressing. Because... Oh, no, <laughs> it's I'm just two to... of us going like this, towering well, our screen. Well, I'm trying to tap it more than once, but I realise that only if you press it once it plays, and what I'm doing is pausing and playing it over and over. It's like when you play like those uh, like PlayStation games with like, the Olympics. Yeah. yeah. You do the sprint, just, like, just mashing the buttons. <laughs> Uh, okay, so that's 2-1 to Johnny. Yeah, but I, I, I'm taking Definitely. the moral bit. you got the moral. James has got the moral bit too. You're on the right lines. <laughs> like, like, like with Brexit. Yeah. Um, so, fourth one. Robbie Benson. Who is he? Paige O'Hara. Angela Lansbury. Oh, 
five, Fan- four, fantastic murder three, she wrote. Two, one, zero. <laughs> awesome! I get a point. What was it? Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Angela Lansbury. <laughs> she oh, sings the song Beauty and the Beast, doesn't she? And Paige O'Hara is Belle, and Robbie Benson is the Beast. I don't know who Robbie Benson is, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't get off that. Anyway, so is that last three? one. Oh, is this last one? Yeah. So you need this to draw a level, James, yeah. but with your moral victory from the last round. <laughs> I, I will walk away with a smile. I think, I think yeah. we'll give you the overall victory. <laughs> so Johnny needs at least a draw. Okay, final film, number five, Amanda Redman. I don't know who, which one to do first of these two because you're going to get it straight away. Ray Winston. Sex the Beast. <laughs> yeah. Yay! Well done, James. Moral victory and, well, <laughs> very good and obviously who was the third person that was going to be on the list for Sexy Beast uh, ben, Kingsley. ben Kingsley what a film that is what a great film arguably the best film with the word beast in the title I thought Beast of the Southern Wild might come out Beast of the Southern That's Wild was on my list of well basically there's only one person I know in that uh, is that girl with an unpronounceable name um, thingy Mm. <laughs> and also uh, Beasts of No Nation was the other one that I what about a documentary about the Beastie Boys yeah what would you call a documentary about the Beastie Boys just the Beastie Boys I guess <laughs> make it easy the Beastie Boys what a documentary give us a creative <laughs> job right now no wonder I do the job I do <laughs> just a creative hub just ideas all just floating around up here always creating always creating can't stop can't switch me off <laughs> <laughs> Number one, he hates bright light. But you gotta keep him out of the sunlight. Sunlight will kill him. Number two, keep him away from water. And probably the most important thing, don't ever feed him after midnight. Well, our archive film tonight sees another guy being given the runaround by a bunch of magical beasts. 1984's Gremlins sees Zach Gilligan and Phoebe Cates struggling to deal with a plague of vicious mini-demons who they've managed to unleash on their town. The nightmare begins when Gilligan's character Billy receives a Christmas gift of Gizmo the lovable Mogwai, but fails to heed the advice of a mysterious Chinese man. We've all been there. We've all been there. So, uh, James, does this film give you a warm and fuzzy feeling inside when you see Gizmo? And then you multiply. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, your reflection on the senses there, I didn't expect it to stop. <laughs> I don't think I intended it to stop, I just lost myself. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, it, come on, it's a classic. It's, it's Joe Dante's masterpiece. It's such a good film. It's such a good Christmas film. Yeah. It's a film that... Another I, thing, very topical, because it is pretty much Christmas. Pretty much Christmas. It's, a, it, it's one of the rare films that I thoroughly enjoyed as a child, as like a young child, Thoroughly enjoyed in my teens, and then still thoroughly enjoy now, um, for all pretty much the same reasons. I also enjoy it, enjoy it slightly more now, because there's stuff that I didn't notice when I was younger, or like daft things yeah. about like, the continuity, or the kind of, the reasonings behind some of the characters that as a kid you don't question, but as an adult you're like, this is hilarious, why is this person doing this, and stuff like yeah. that. It's riddled with satire, isn't it? That's it a great thing about the film. So, 30 years on... Do, do those do those satir- satirical elements still stand up? Do you think? I think the satire stuff's a bit strange. I mean, it's definitely <laughs> when you see Steven, Steven Spielberg as the producer, it all makes sense. Yeah. I mean, in the end, the Gremlins' ultimate undoing is that they love cinema. 
<laughs> too much, so they, they basically suffer as a result Spoiler of their love alert. for cinema. Yeah. And, you know, there's this sort of, like, nice, idealistic 50s town, and there's a man who hates foreign products, which is obviously sort of like, you know, it's a bit of a joke. This, so this, but then you're actually like... back around again. But then you're actually like, mm, this is sort yeah. of like a really a nice idyllic 1950s world. Maybe Steven Spielberg hates foreign... <laughs> things and loves 1950s America a bit too much. The town that they're in, I'm pretty sure it's the same set they used for Hill Valley and Back to the Future. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure it is. I bet it is. It's I great. Mean, it's, so yeah. it's just stuff like that. It's just Steven Spielberg's house. That's where he lives. Yeah. That's his estate. Yeah. Oh, no. It is, it is a, yeah, like I said, it's a Christmas film. Where's it rank in the pantheon of Christmas films? I mean, it's, it's doesn't rank high in Die Hard in terms of Christmas films, but it's definitely mm. up in the top. Yeah, you know, in those three, in those films, they're Christmas films just because they're set at Christmas, but have no real relevance yeah. to Christmas. Oh, uh, ex- excuse me, that's where I've got to completely turn that into. Christmas <laughs> is integral to the plot because that is why the dad buys him the Mogwai. Yeah. Okay, you know, the yeah. pressures yeah. to deliver on his son that he's a, he's a pretty much an absent father who's travelling a lot for work and he feels that at Christmas. He needs to get something that's really special for his son. I stand that's why he gets I feel that you wouldn't get that pressure at a birthday, only at Christmas, where it is about family together and he's travelling back for it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's project. basically It's a Wonderful Life, but with small creatures. <laughs> that's so great. They're, the Gremlins. Yeah. I, kind of. Isn't there one point they're watching a wonderful... It's a wonderful yeah, movie I mean, it's so even in there, there. so it's yeah. so hard to ignore. The Gremlins themselves are obviously the stars of the show. How well imagined are they? Compared to, say... Fantastic Beasts, and we've already talked about, we thought they were quite unimaginative creatures in there. The gremlins in this. There's nothing mad or avant-garde with their, with their style. You know what I mean? They look like toys. And I think that's the kind of point of it, is that they do look like toys. But they have this kind of naivety of design and creature workshop in the 80s where it all looked crap, but that was great. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, you know. I mean, when he's swinging from the the fan, it's someone's just super glued a model <laughs> to a fan. <laughs> and, my favorite. You know when that when when there's a bit when he's being pulled along by the chainsaw, and he, obviously his arm can't let go of the chainsaw, so the rest of his body moves, but his arm is still attached to it. You think probably would have let go of it by now? No, better cut the scene. Oh god, that is so. It's, he's yeah. also dry. He also. Gizmo drives a remote control car at some point yeah. as if it's a real car. Yeah. Like there's no one on the controls. He just jumps in and drives it like it has pedals, which is another great scene. It's, it's ridiculous, but yeah. that sort of makes it more enduring and fun. Like there's a bit where um, there's this story about it's a very sad story about uh, a father oh, yeah. who who dies and the, the, this poor girl is traumatised at Christmas because her father died. So how did the father die? Well, she tells this very serious story about how he got stuck in the chimney <laughs> and broke his neck. And you just think, how ludicrous. Is this supposed to be funny or sentimental? And it just sums up how weird the film is. is that you're like, that's really sad, but also... So why ridiculously is, is weird fully, and funny. A fully grown man dressed as Father Christmas coming down the chimney with a bag of presents <laughs> and he slips and breaks his neck. Like, that's like and then she's comedy like, gold. Yeah, and then but... she's like, yeah, I smelt it. I thought they'd bring down yeah. a bird. Oh, just my dad in a Christmas <laughs> suit dead up the chimney. <laughs> the practicalities of getting down the chimney. I mean, the creatures themselves do have an element of the fairy tale about them, though, don't they? That, that, that gruesome yeah. look, but also the... Don't feed them after midnight. Don't get them wet. All these sort of like cautionary tales that they don't heed and stuff like that yeah. really does sort of like there is that influence to it. But then it just goes on a mental wild yeah. journey from there. It gets weirder and more bizarre and, and more ludicrous as it goes along. There was some criticism, different some criticism for sort of the overblown 
violence and like mentalness of like some of the deaths of the creatures do they take it too far or do you think that's just all part of the charm I mean that's a, that's a debate in terms of what is suitable for children then and now because what was suitable for children then was so different to now mm. that would not be a PG film if it was released it's now. a PG it, I, bet I mean at one point she puts, been a 15, she puts one in a blender wasn't 12 was there there's a bit where she puts one in a blender one stabs one to death and blows one up in a micro <laughs> I mean that's that's pretty heavy going violence yeah well, kids are too mollycoddled nowadays. They should be told. I think. I mean, even the gremlins violence. There's also quite a few adults die in it, and it's yeah. just sort of palmed off with a bit of a joke. <laughs> and you're like, they are dead, though, aren't they? <laughs> uh, they? I mean, there's one bit where the science teacher is obviously in a very bad place, <laughs> and and he doesn't ever come back and think probably should get him some help. Yeah, yeah. I, I I do understand that we've basically not really analysed this film. Just named funny stuff that happens, but <laughs> that is not... basically what Gremlins is about. <laughs> it's from like a group of eighties films that will always stay timeless and perfectly sum up cinema at the time, like Back to the Future and all those kind of films in that era. Yeah. It's it's just one of those, and I mean, I think, I think be being, a being a teenager in the eighties in film is a very strange place. I mean, between so Ferris on. Bueller's Day Off and this, and Back the, the Breakfast Club and Back to the Future is a very very weird place. Right, let's uh, let's do the ratings out of ten, boys. So James, you want to go first? Yeah, I, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an eight. Eight. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say an eight as well. Good solid fun. And I maybe I've just been influenced by you guys, but I'm gonna give it an eight as well. Oh. Full House, Full House on the 8s, 888. That's like gambling on the, the fruit machines. That would have been <laughs> jackpot. It's a jackpot <clears throat> sound clip. Nudge. <laughs> Does anyone know how a fruit machine works? I've seen people play them and it's just sorcery, pure sorcery. <laughs> Christmas carolers. I hate Christmas carolers. Screeching voice, no blue snippers. I warned you, Brad! Right, it's time for Three Fast, Three Furious, and Johnny this week is handing over the reins to James Pugh. James, how do you feel? Are you nervous? Are you excited? I'm, ex- I'm excited and nervous. So I've got, how long have I got? Had, 30 seconds. You've had some heavyweights in the... It's like the like Man United's number seven shirt. Yeah. You know, he's inherited... Yeah. You know, there's George Best, Eric Cantona, David Beckham, Cristiano Ronaldo. You've got Harry Anton, Johnny Smith. Now you. Wow. I've done it once and I was shocked. It's, so. it's a mantle hopefully I will not awkwardly <laughs> drop and smash. No, so... <laughs> Okay, so 30 seconds. Yeah. I'll let you know every 10 where you want to be moving on. Three, two, one, go. Silence. Martin Scorsese's passion project finally sees the light as Christian missionaries Kylo Ren and Spider-Man were sent to Japan to find Liam Neeson. Gorgeous <laughs> landscapes, religious symbolism, and lots of Next. Oscar nominations guaranteed. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Chris Pratt is back as... Space Indiana Jones to kick some ass in the sequel of your girlfriend's favourite comic book film. Get ready to fall in love with more Next. of your parents' music and buy a shed load of tiny tree toys. The <laughs> Mummy. Universal reboot one of their original monsters with the help of Tom Cruise's perfect teeth. Set mostly in England, Tom must hunt down a female mummy. Expect ludicrous stunts, distraction and Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll slash Javert. That's time, but you know, here's your first guy, so I'll give you a little oh, bit extra. No, good stuff. Uh, so, so Chris Pratt's back then. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It, 
I mean, they don't pretty. Much, they don't need to market it in the slightest, really, do they? You know, you know what it's going to be. I mean, they don't even need to make one. it. They could literally <laughs> just film us three in this room a couple of guys ago. Well, they probably do all right. I don't think in the size of this room, I don't think you'd fit too many cameras, too many galaxies, too many galaxies. Um, <laughs> the Mummy. Yeah, the trailer for the Mummy. I haven't watched it yet, no. but I heard Tom Cruise does some running in it. He runs. He's on a plane. It, it crashes. He's runs away from like smoke mist. He's he's grabbing women out of the way of explosions. I'm not sure I want to see Tom Cruise in The Mummy. I think, leave it with the campy Brendan Fraser. I mean... Very campy. In terms of (laughs) unnecessary films, this is completely unnecessary. I don't know why they need to to do it with Tom Cruise. It seems a very strange film for him to do. So strange. I mean, when he said, yeah, Tom Cruise in The Mummy, what? (laughs) Yeah, it does, it does. just doesn't jive. And Russell Crowe playing Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. What... What, Which what almost is... sounds like in this, the, every time I mention that's when they're like in the same film. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, yes. Sorry, this is in two of... films. No, this, <laughs> this is one. This is a bit of Fantastic Beasts going on. They're like they did. They, they did a couple of different films going on within the same film. We can do the same thing. Is there, is there a werewolf in there? Probably. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? An American werewolf. And Johnny Depp plays Frankenstein. Oh, Johnny Depp's in there, is he? That's good. That's... <laughs> He probably does. He probably just pops up. Yeah. Colin Powell lurks in the corner. Whimsical character. Eddie Redmayne just just drops <laughs> things in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... Silence, Mike Scorsese's new film. Yeah, you said Mike Scorsese's passion project. What? What? So he's been trying to make. About? He's been trying to make it for like decades. Um, it's the film he's wanted to make, but based on a book that everyone told him was unfilmable. I mean, maybe he should have just. And not he made, spent not made all the other ones if he really wanted to make. I don't know, but he just couldn't get the he couldn't get the finance for it because it was such a large. Um, it's very religious based about these two um, missionaries that they're kind of like leader priest whatever the term is and one uh, of them spider goes to Japan yeah goes to Japan <laughs> uh, and kind of renounces his faith at the pressure of the Japanese where at the time where Christianity was illegal so uh, Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver are these two missionaries that go into Japan as hidden Christians to try and save Liam Neeson <laughs> It, it, I'm so describing like Crouching it very, Tiger, Hidden Christian. I'm describing it very, 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 very poorly, but, but the trailer looks absolutely fantastic. The music is incredible. The cinematography looks great, and and I guarantee it's going to win at least two. I was going to say it looks like it's pure Oscar bait. Yeah. I mean, this is like. I mean, I think the Pope watched it the other day, so you know that's like. Wow. If you want Oscar blessings, yeah. again, send it to the Vatican. Look at your fucking suntan, like leather, like a leather man. Your skin, you can make a fucking suitcase out of you, old all. Look like a crocodile, fat crocodile, fat bastard. You look like a fucking Eden Armin, you know what I mean? Stay here. Yeah? You should be ashamed of yourself. So, to round off the show, we have the top five as usual, and it is Johnny Smith this week. Your turn. So, Johnny, what are you, what are you doing as your top five? Uh, you know, following on from Gremlins and Fantastic Beasts, I've gone for the top five creatures in film. So, I've. I've Tried to avoid aliens. That was my only it's real number one re- man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we haven't gone that deep. It's like when it's always like in those films where it's always like the biggest beast of all, man. Pleasant, pleasant <laughs> yeah. man that kills the beast. His beauty. Yeah, was that not... was a bit like the end of Gremlins when he's like, "You can't have Gizmo because humans can't have nice things because <laughs> they <laughs> fuck them all up." That's basically what the Chinese man says at the end. <laughs> Uh, so, number one on Creatures, I've gone with good old Godzilla, everyone's yeah. favourite giant lizard from good Japan. Job. Now, yeah, okay. So, <laughs> made his appearance in 1954, and has never looked back, and even won the MTV Lifetime Achievement Award in 1996. <laughs> and who awarded him that? Patrick Stewart. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry. That is a Sorry. Such a good fact. I think we need to mull over this for a little bit. So, Patrick Stewart presented Godzilla with an MTV <laughs> Lifetime Achievement Award. The biggest problem I have with that is that that's only 96 and Godzilla had so many more years left in him, so to give him a Lifetime <laughs> Achievement Award in 96 was really premature. Uh, so yeah, good old Godzilla. And fun fact, his classic roar was made by rubbing a leather glove against a bass violin string. <laughs> Who knew, eh? Who knew? Us uh, now, and all the listener. Exactly. It's all good. All pub quiz knowledge. Uh, number two, I've gone for The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. A oh. classic creature. Also in 1954. Good year for weird creatures that live in water. <laughs> Such a classic creature that it's got the word creature in its name. Exactly. A textbook creature. And he apparently was called the... Gilly man or gill man because obviously it's a bloke with gills so it is proper no, to be honest, it is proper it? put a mask on this man yeah man in a suit at <laughs> his yeah, fight yeah. have you seen what the creature from the Black Lagoon looks like if you just remove the gills he wouldn't just look like a mud he still looks mm. like mm. a fish monster he's bipedal if you if you google he's seaweedy if you google a picture of the creature from the Black Lagoon right now and you take your two fingers and cover the gills on the inside of his head, he does not look like a normal man. That's very nice. You saw he's got him legs, last, doesn't he? he d- he's not just like a fet, like a naked man. What you're describing is Kevin Costner in Waterworld. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fair enough, then he's just a fella. That is not what the creature from the Black Lagoon looks like. Okay, he's like a guy with gills. He's but... biped, absolutely. He's got two legs. No one's debating him out of his legs. Apparently rubber gloves and like one of those all-in-one like Adidas swimming bodysuits that are now banned. What, a, shell, a shell suit? <laughs> a shell suit. It's so Bez with gills. Bez doing his, doing his washing up is what you've described. Oh, I love movie men tropes. <laughs> uh, sticking Jamie to... Jamie Vardy! <laughs> yeah, but it's not as good as the full Monty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sticking with water themes, number three is Jaws. Jaws the shark. <laughs> no, not Jaws. <laughs> um, whose real name is Bruce. Um... Like in uh, Finding Nemo. His real name is Bruce, yeah. Probably a similar connection there. And he broke down a lot during the filming of Jaws. Of course, Steven Spielberg got a lot of aggro. But in the end... Was it emotionally (laughs) straining on him? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but, you know, good old... Good old Bruce. Don't know where he is now. Who knows? Swimming back in the ocean and having a great time. Probably the Universal Studios lot. They removed it. They did. So he's probably now in a scrap heap somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Not getting a lifetime achievement award from MTV. (laughs) There's still time. Uh, Coming at number... Literally on the scrap heap. uh, Number four. I was going to go with King Kong, but actually I thought, there's a better monkey. Oh, there's better monkeys. The flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz, because they're <laughs> fucking terrifying. Good shout. I think everyone's childhood is is slightly traumatized by them coming down and, and stealing you and your dog while you go for a walk. So, are we, are we on best creatures or scariest creatures? Um, well, best, but also quite scary. Yeah. Except the creature from the back again. Not not that scary. Bears with gills, isn't it? If you were walking at night, <laughs> it's, it's with gills. Round Charlton Park and Highlands, a pond. You've got the dog, it's just doing a wee against the tree. You're yeah. thinking, I really want to get back to bed, I'm knackered here. It's like 11 picture. o'clock at night. You turn around, there's rustling in the water, you think it's a duck. A six foot tall green man who's half fish emerges from the water walking towards you with his arms outstretched. You would be terrified. <laughs> Even when it's abundantly clear. And then while that's happening, a load of flying monkeys have <laughs> nicked your dog. Descend from the trees and the, the leash gets higher and higher and higher. It's like, oh god, he's flown away. It's like a really bad version of uh, the Peter Pan cartoon <laughs> when the dog's flying off. He's like, oh god, no. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, Flying Monkeys instead of King Kong. King Kong, you know, worth a shot. But I thought number five, I'll go with Gollum, everyone's favourite cave-dwelling creature. Slash Schmeagle. Schmeagle. Um, just because he bloody loves rings. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that. what more than that? So, you know, good old Gollum. I would just with a guy who looked almost exactly like Gollum. God, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. More terrifying than the creature from the Black Goon on a dark night in the <laughs> <Yeah>. park. <laughs> what's, the, what's the worst creature... In film, then. Uh, the shittest creature. Lindsay Loward. <laughs> <laughs> creature. Um, Charlotte Booth. Uh, I mean, Worst Free Willy's pretty crap. Free Willy. Just did a whale in there. What's the film with the guy? The, the ho- Jeepers Creepers, the creeper. Yeah, it's he's scary when he's just like a bloke with a hat and a coat and you're thinking, oh, it's some mad hillbilly. And then it's the creature from the Black Lagoon. He's moved inland. It's one of big flying monkeys. Yeah. I mean, we've already talked about it, but um, I think the Obscurus has a shout. Sings. It's basically just a ball of yarn that's been caught in the wind. It's a ball of teenage dance. It's literally a, a it really is. scribble. Yeah. Or it could be the chimney dust that's come down with that girl's dad. In, uh, <laughs> it's his spirit. His spirit is covered in chimney. <laughs> slow ahead. I can go slow ahead. Come on down and chump some of this shit. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Right, that's the lot from us. We hope you've enjoyed the show as much as we have. Everyone enjoyed the show, didn't it? Just me then, okay. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at The Movie Men Show and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. And get yourself over to the latestpictureshow.com blog as well to get some more Johnny in your life. What's on there, Johnny? Very little at the moment. Yeah. I've been very slack. But I might, maybe I'll post something about the films I've liked this year. <laughs> but that's just wishful thinking. <laughs> uh, you got much plan for the week as well, James? Uh, this week, no, just gonna sit alone, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> Getting into the Christmas spirit. Yeah. <laughs> that Going to climb up any chimneys just as Father Christmas? Well, I, I, I heard a terrible story about one chapter <laughs> that Rise's family. It didn't end well, Johnny, so I'm probably going to give that a miss. Oh, thanks for that window into your life there, James. And thanks to you, Johnny, as well. And if we've learned anything from Gremlins, kids, it's don't get wet after midnight. Ciao. <laughs>